Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. I think it was about four months ago, a fellow author and adoptive parent reached out to me. And in fact, she began following my blog and corresponding with me about some of the content that I was creating. And then somewhere in the conversation, Paula Freeman uh, let me know that she had published a book back in 2013. The title of it is A Place I Didn't Belong, Hope for Adoptive Moms. And through some dialogue, she asked if, if um, I'd be interested in having a copy of it to read through. And of course, since I write and, and do a lot of work in this space of adoption and foster care, I, I was definitely interested, even though, obviously, I'm not an adoptive mom, I'm a dad. Um, I was still very interested in, in reading what Paula had written. And I just want to give you, read you just a little bit of the summary that's on the back of the book and then let you know why I'm excited about you getting to hear a little bit of, from Paula in this podcast interview that I did with her. Um, this is what it says. This is not a how-to or 10 easy steps to successful parenting program. It's about real life, real women, and real struggles. It's about relationships and community. It's about reclaiming ourselves as women when adoption dreams shatter. It's about a journey that begins in our mother's heart and delivers us to the place where we do belong, right into our father's arms. And that really does summarize the book, I think, really well. And after I read through it, I knew that I wanted to ask Paula to come on His Hands, His Feet podcast and do an interview and talk about not only her book, but also the work that she's done over the years and is, is doing now. And what I appreciate about Paula, and you're going to hear this, I promise you, in this in this interview, is her willingness and ability to be vulnerable and authentic, not only about the things she writes about, but her own personal struggle and her own personal journey. And so you will definitely hear that. And that's how she writes, too. It's not just in this interview, but it's how she writes. So I'm really looking forward to you getting to hear, even if you're a dad, please listen to this interview. And if you're a mom, I'm really excited that you get to hear from Paula Freeman talking about not only life, but her book, A Place I Didn't Belong, Hope for Adoptive Moms. Well, thank you, Paula, for taking some time to join me here on His Hands, His Feet podcast. And I'm excited for people to learn more about who you are, the work that you are doing and have been doing, and then also as we dig into a little bit this book that you have that I think is an excellent book that I want them to know about. But welcome, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Kenneth. I'm just delighted to be here. I wanted to start out just giving you the opportunity to share a little bit about your professional background. Now, we've talked a little bit over the last few months, but when I look at just your biological sketch here, you have quite a bit a variety of experience. Would you give us a, a minute of kind of what you have done professionally? Yes, I'd love to. And as you get older, your bio gets a little bit longer sometimes. <laughs> but like yeah. like many of us who work and serve in foster and adoption care, I came through the door of personal experience. And it was the process of adopting our daughter from Hope. She was the fifth child, joined four biological families that led me back to graduate school to get a degree, uh, my master's degree in social work for the purpose of starting a Christian adoption agency in Colorado. So in 1990, I founded Hope's Promise, which is a licensed adoption and orphan care ministry in Colorado. I've served as its executive director for 24 years. I retired 
Um, three or four years ago, due to some personal circumstances, my husband was diagnosed with a terminal illness that led on a different journey with the Lord that was uh, predicated by what was happening in adoption. But during my time at Hope's Promise, I also had the opportunity to serve as a national trainer with the Infant Adoption Awareness Training Program. It was a grant recipient, um, or National Council for Adoption was a grant recipient that trained medical professionals on how to present the adoption, the option of adoption to people that were uh, not prepared to parent. And I've also authored, as you mentioned, the book, A Place I Didn't Belong, Hope for Adoptive Moms, and I enjoy speaking at retreats for foster and adoptive moms to encourage them uh, in their walk toward Christ and toward his um, love and acceptance and grace of who they are and what he wants them to become on this journey. Yeah, that's great. You said you had four biological children before you adopted your first child? I did. I did. And you've adopted a few more. How many? Yeah, three yeah. more. Okay. I have a total of seven, four by birth, three by adoption. Um, I have two daughters from India, one from Cambodia, and uh, those girls are now 23, 26, and 31. Wow. I was a child bride. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how old were they when you adopted the three? They were nine months, 16 months, and three years. Nine months? Is, that's pretty young for international adoption, isn't it? It is, but keep in mind that we were kind of the second wave of families oh, yeah. adopting internationally. And in spite of all the wonderful technology we have now, I have seen wait times dramatically increase from what we were able to do 20, 25 years ago in the field of adoption. So it wasn't uncommon then to be able to bring children home at a younger age than many families are seeing now. Are you still involved with those that are doing international adoptions? Only peripherally. Uh, as okay. I mentioned, um, I retired in my capacity as Executive Director of Hope's Promise in 2014, and I have stayed involved through leading um, healing support groups for adoptive moms. Many of those have adopted children uh, that mm. have come internationally through the foster care system or even through domestic and family adoption. So right. I am peripherally involved uh, more, I would say, in a in a healing and a quiet, gentle ministry now than the actual mm -hmm. nuts and bolts of accomplishing the adoption process. You're right. That has changed quite a bit over, probably what, over the last, for sure, five years, if not ten years. It's yeah, changed quite it, a it, bit. It, yeah, yeah. And, and it was kind of foreshadowed by The Hague, and, and, mm -hmm. and that's a whole other discussion in another podcast. It is. But, right. um, anyway, there, there were several things that uh, conspired to, to bring the numbers down and increase the wait time for children. Very true, and you're right. That would be another great podcast sometime because I know they're interested in the international adoption route, uh, but it is tougher. It's a, it's a tougher wait time. You, you shared a little bit about your personal experience. You've adopted three children. All your children are grown now, obviously. And they are. I was noticing in your, your bio that uh, you have some adopted granddaughters as well. That's I do. Exciting yeah. to see. Yeah, exciting to see that. Well, it on. is. And, and the story is a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper and more meaningful than that. My oldest daughter chose to get her degree in social work and we had mm -hmm. the opportunity to work together for eight years at Hope's Promise. And, and I think the adoption of our first child, uh, birthed in her the desire to be an adoptive mom when the time came for her. So, um, she and her husband have chosen to, um, build their family through adoption and it's transracial adoption. My granddaughters have come domestically, but, um, they are, uh, it is a transracial family now, yeah. and, uh, 
it's just delightful to um, to see yeah. this continue for the next generation, this heart and this compassion for, for God's world and God's kids. You bet. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book. So you wrote the book, and was it 2013 is when it was published? And That's when it was published, right. And so you the process have... was a long, painful birthing process, but it, it <laughs> came out in 2013. Right. I can relate. And I don't know if you want to talk about that timeline or not, but obviously you mentioned it just a few minutes ago, but uh, your husband passed away a few years back. And so I would imagine that that took a priority in your, in your life. And then now you're kind of circling back to your ministry and, and this book and things. Is, do you want to touch on that at all? Or? Um, you know, I wrote a little bit. I, I don't know it needs to be the, fo- the focus here. The book came out in 2013 and – Shortly after I retired in 2014, and I knew the Lord was calling me out, and thankfully we had a lot of wise counsel at Hope's Promise and did a very successful and healthy um, succession plan. And I, I still very much am a, a great fan of Hope's Promise. I'm involved only as a, as a prayer support and a donor and whatnot. But after I retired, that is when we understood the severity of my husband's mm-hmm. diagnosis. And and I thought prior to that, Kenneth, that the Lord was leading me out into a writing and speaking ministry. And and that may prove to be true. I'm I'm still discerning um, what is next in this in this new season for me. But I had the privilege of caring for him for 18 or 19 months mm-hmm. before the Lord called him home in September of 2015. And part of that involved a a move, cross-country move, from Colorado to North Carolina. And it seemed very counterintuitive at the time. And uh, my husband said we we loved to vacation there. The beach was a very uh, calming, Mm -hmm. soothing, healing place for us. And and he just said, I want to move here. And Mm -hmm. I think, you're crazy. Uh, (laughs) Why would we leave our church family, our children, our grandchildren at a time that we are going to need them? more than ever, and he said, I know, but I can breathe here, Mm. and I want the quality of life, and I woke up the next morning, and I said, we're on it, you know, and I realized this was the last thing I could do for him, and I could figure out the rest after the Lord had called him home, so we pulled up stakes, and with his oxygen tank, we moved to North Carolina in August of 2015, We expected uh, several months, if not two or three years, but two weeks after we arrived, he unexpectedly died from complications Mm. to his disease. And I was there, and uh, I knew no one. There was no family. Um, And yet, in the days preceding his death, I knew the Lord had called me there, and I didn't know what it was for. And I've come to believe, Kenneth, that God used my husband in his dying days to present me to the Lord in a new, a different way, because that was what I call my set-apart season, where hmm. God invited me, Jesus invited me into this deeper walk with him. I had, I knew no one, I had, he gave me the gifts of invisibility, of silence, of solitude, hmm. and I had no better plan, and I said yes. And in that saying yes was a journey that I would not trade for anything. And that was a journey into my father's heart and, and, and a coming home to me. And the death of my husband was the thing that I feared most in my life, mm-hmm. that he would die and leave me alone, and he did. But what I never, ever anticipated was what difference the presence of Christ would make 
in that time of sorrow and suffering. And I fell in love with a very gentle and a very kind Jesus. And I knew that this was going to be a part, it, this was a preparation of the next season of my life. And, and as I discerned that, I realized that adoption was very much a sanctifying tool for me because as I explain in my book, I went through a very significant uh, bout with depression. I found brokenness in adoption, as I think many mm-hmm. um, adoptive families have. When they have those kids from hard places and, and they, their demands extend beyond their capacity to feel good and successful at parenting. And that was, in many ways, I look at that now and, and I embrace those lessons and those hard things as a training, as a perfecting, as the, the, the prologue to understanding what a biblical perspective of sorrow and suffering are all about. And, I mean, I used to think I could, if I did it right, if I had the right prayer, I could run from it, you know. I could come sure. beat that that piece of things. And uh, I'm so grateful for how the Lord met me there. I still wish he was here. Um, but on the other hand, joy can occupy the same space as sorrow. And I mm. think that's a message that is still valid in the adoption community. So I'm approaching this season with very open hands saying, Lord, if it's back in the adoption world, I'm ready. I know it. I speak the language. If it's a piece of a larger work that you have or a smaller work that you have, that's where I want to be. But um, I feel prepared to go to those deep and very hard places with people and to to listen and to point them to the grace of Jesus. Paul, I appreciate you sharing about that because I know it's still painful, I would imagine. I think people identify with that, both uh, anyone that's lost a close loved one, but also those who have, uh, as you said, brought a child into their home that comes from a hard place. And So your book, you know, as I've read through it, you, you write with that same vulnerable voice that, that you just shared with us, and I appreciate that. And Yeah, I was curious. You know, about the title, A Place I Didn't Belong, Hope for Adopted Moms. I know the answer to this because I've read through your book, but share with us, why why did you come up with that title? I'm so glad you do because I know it has caused some people identify it, some people have pushed the book away because of the title. Hmm. When I was kind of in the thick of my my own depression and, and probably prior to seeking professional counseling for that. And by the way, I do consider it one of the greatest gifts God allowed me to experience. But I've always been a reader, and sometimes I read to learn and sometimes I read as an escape. And um, on one particular day, I hopped out at the library and I thought, I, I need something new to read and I'll, I'll just look what's on the new release. You know, it was quick and easy stop. And there was a memoir written by a Jesuit priest. His name was Andrew Kreback. And I believe the name of the book is A Long Retreat. And it was a beautiful story of how God had called him into the ministry through, through the, the Jesuit, the, the priesthood there. And it brings you to the point in the book where after eight years he was ready to take his final vows. And he made the decision to to leave, to marry, and to raise a family. And in his description of this decision, he tells about a friend that was befuddled by that question and asked him why in the world he did that. And he made the comment that went something like this. I began a long and noble journey, but it took me to a place I didn't belong. 
And I sat there, Kenneth, with that book open in my lap, and I wept because I thought, that gives language to my adoption journey. I had wanted to adopt, I'd wanted specifically to adopt children from different cultures and different races from the time that I was a teenager, before I ever knew Jesus, before I ever knew the man the Lord would allow me to share my life with. And I had these pictures and these feelings and these dreams of what that would look like. And we took um, great pains to do this well. We prayed. We believed God was in these decisions. And we began our adoption process. But I also discovered that um, I had a lot of my own wounding in the process, that, that I wanted something back. I wanted to be loved by these kids. I wanted to be... Um, you know, I had this Norman Rockwell picture of what a family would be like. I didn't know how to handle <laughs> some of the misbehaviors and the rages mm-hmm. and the things that, that cause us to feel great uh, blame and shame, particularly to moms in, in our homes and in our Christian families. And I identified with that, that I did begin a noble journey, but it took me to a place I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. But what that place became, Kenneth, was an invitation because it caused me to ask the question, if I don't belong here, and if God is in this, where do I belong? And the answer came through a song we sang in church one Sunday, and the refrain was about going, being back into my father's arms. And it was a metaphor, but it touched that place in my heart that that I knew adoption was right and good. I knew that he had led us there. But I knew because of my own wounds, because of my own self-striving, lack of information, whatever you want to attach to that, this isn't where God wanted me to stay and wanted me to be. And through my own depression, dialoguing with other moms when I began to share this, and again, remember, I'm an adoption social worker. <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to be the one with answers, not the crippled ones, you know? That's great. And, um but I began to share pieces of this with other adoptive moms. And when I did, what it gave was permission for them to begin sharing their story. And moms just kind of came out of the woodwork. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've touched a nerve. I have named the elephant in the living room of our adoption community. And it began by recognizing that when I acknowledged that I was at the place I didn't belong, what I acknowledged was I am broken, I am a mess, and Jesus is waiting for me here. The irony is obvious. It's a yeah. fact that we belong. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's where the hope comes from for adoptive mm. moms. No, that's good. That's very good. And, uh, you know, you, you answered this question I had already, or just as you're talking, but you know, who the audience is for the book. And it's what I'm hearing. The audience is that it's it's it is adoptive moms, especially ones that understand that struggle that you just described of realizing. Hey, uh, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I, mean, I think we all enter into these types of relationships with kids that um, yeah. we have expectations that it's going to look a certain way, uh, whether we're the mom or the dad, right? And we, we we see the kind of the side of the coin where adoption is a beautiful thing. You know, bringing a child that doesn't have a family or coming from a broken place into our family, and we kind of have almost a fairy tale approach to it, maybe. But then when we get into the midst of it, we find that there's a lot of brokenness that we're dealing with. And am I identifying the correct audience? It's, pe- it's moms, are. especially, that uh, are realizing, wow, this isn't what I was expecting. It. Yes. 
And I would say, yes, it, it is foster and adoptive moms, but I would clarify it even further, as you suggested, and that is that it's moms who are ready to set aside denial and acknowledge that they are fearful that this isn't exactly what it turned out, and they can't work hard enough or pray loud enough or do enough to get it back on track in order to fulfill their dreams. And I think many of us identify, particularly those of us who are Christ followers, identify with this notion of redemption and that one purpose of adoption can be, you know, helping to redeem the lives of these children and yet the piece, the other side of that coin, Kenneth, that I think we fail to look at is what is redemption. And you know what? It is messy. It is painful. It is sacrificial. And there is not one warm and fuzzy thing about the cross. That's not what we want. But sometimes that's what redemption requires. If somebody is listening and they're like, wow, I totally identify with that. That's exactly where I'm at. Do you have a part of the book that you really like? Now, again, I'm not asking you to brag on yourself, but just the book itself or the tools or something about it that you you said, you know what, this part of it I like a lot and I love how it turned out. Is there somewhere in the book that you like that? Well, I think I can answer both of those questions as, I, as, I, as I've considered this. And I would say the thing I like best about this book is the format in which it's written. And it's based on stories, first of all, and, and throughout the, the chapters I share stories that have been shared with me from adoptive moms with confidentiality preserves. And I think it is it's a it's a healthy and a and a and a good application of what Jesus shared with his disciples in Matthew thirteen, eleven through fifteen, and they asked him why he told stories. And he, he went on to explain the kingdom of God, but he also said that he wanted to create readiness and to nudge people toward receptive insight. And so the stories in the book that are very identifiable with probably every single adoptive mom are intended to nudge people toward that receptive insight and readiness for what God wants to do in their life. And then the second part of the book, or it's included in each chapter, are what I call um, open-ended questions that help us begin to identify and invite the Lord in to our process. Because I will never be the one, Kenneth, that's going to write a how-to book, because I think that doesn't transform lives. It's the Holy Spirit working in us when we invite him to do so, that, that accomplishes the transformation, the healing that we need. So the first part of each chapter is stories. The second part is four days of, of journaling with questions that guide us without a predetermined destination. And I think it's that process together that begins to um, to bring moms to a place of realizing that they can be okay even when their children are not. That is very good. I call it don't get on the roller coaster. That's right. You know, you can go on, and I heard one, one adopted mom say that you can walk up to the platform, but you let them go on that ride themselves, and you'll be waiting on it when they get back. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I'm hoping, and I, and I trust that this is true, but as people are listening, that they're like going, you know what, I, I, that's what I need right now. And I know that you probably have, if you're listening and you're thinking that, you also know that you have some 
sojourners that are in this journey with you that uh, could really benefit from processing through this uh, book, A Place I Didn't Belong by Paula. Thank you so much for writing it, and I'm, I'm glad that we can get the word out a little bit more about this resource for parents. I appreciate and, it, and I yeah. want to thank you for being one of the few adoptive dads who's had the, the courage <laughs> to read it, so you, uh, you stand in a very small group. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, the the reality is that you know, we have the same struggles. It, you know, they do look a little bit different. And we just don't tend to talk about them as much. And so I think it's good to um, dig into this as well as, as adoptive dads. But, so thank you. You're welcome. So, My pleasure. At, before we leave, do you have anything you might write some more in the future? Or what are you thinking? Well, I am writing some more, and you know, this is one of the delightful uh, gifts in this season of my life, that I have time to sit down and, and, and do a lot of that. So I'm actually working on two different books, and uh, one is a follow-up to A Place I Didn't Belong, Hope for Adoptive Moms, and it is written to couples, and not only highlighting some of the, the high points of A Place I Didn't Belong, but then moving into uh, much deeper territory on how we can we can cultivate and make room and invite Jesus into um, into our journeys and um, get the healing and the wholeness that we mm-hmm. desperately want as married couples. You know, marriages are so at risk, Kenneth, when mm-hmm. we've got these, these challenges and these kiddos and this kind of stress that is not recognized in many, many of our faith communities. And um, so I'm working on that in collaboration with two other adoptive parents, and we'll be following their stories through this, so we're still going to do the story format with a lot more um, invitation mm-hmm. to, um, for couples to do this together. I'm also writing a memoir of my set-apart time in North Carolina, uh, again, pointing people to Jesus uh, and how to experience him in times of sorrow, and doing some writing for some magazines. So it, it's a great, great creative time for me, and um, I appreciate the question, and, and uh, yeah, I am. I'm writing a lot. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. And very glad to hear that. Look forward to seeing some of that come out. And along those same lines, do you, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning of our of our uh, conversation that you have done some speaking. Do you still do that? And if so, uh, is there a way that people can find out how to contact you? Yes, I still do it when invited. Um, in this season of my life, I, I, I feel like I've, I've done in my career the, the big pieces, and now I hold everything with an open hand if I'm invited. Um, I'd love to share adoptive and foster families are my people. Um, I've done retreats as a keynote speaker as well as a breakout speaker. And you can check my website. It's paulafreeman.org. And there is a, a page on speaking and the topics that I speak on. And I'm going to be doing some, some revision of that website. So if it's down when you check, go back. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to have people email me. My email address is paula, S as in Sam Freeman, at gmail.com. Fantastic. We'll definitely include all those links in the show notes, and I'll tell people here in just a little bit how they can access that. But I'm glad to hear that as well, that you're you're doing some speaking still. I've just heard my son holler in the background, so if anybody heard that, he's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) We we homeschool, as many adoptive families and foster families do. So I I just heard him. I think he's actually practicing his Taekwondo, so that's probably what that was. You know, that's real life, and that's what... Yeah. That's why we're here even today, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Paula, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and sharing not only about your book, but just part of your heart and part of your life. It's a very, 
very helpful, to, I know, to many that are listening. I appreciate Kenneth and my richest blessings to you and your family and your ministry. Thank you, Paula. Well, as I said in the intro, I knew that you're going to hear Paula speak from a very vulnerable and authentic place, and that's exactly what she does in this interview. I really do appreciate her doing that, and I know that many of you listening can identify to some of the emotion, some of the struggles, some of the uh, overcoming and victory, all that that that, uh, Paula talked about in this interview. And I really want to encourage you, especially if you're an adoptive mom or even a foster mom, to get a copy of this book, take a look at it, and I think it would be a great, great resource for any group of adoptive moms that are ready, like Paula talks about, that are ready to address some of these challenges that that, uh, every foster and adoptive parent faces at one time or another. And so I have links to not only where you can get the book, to, but also how you can contact Paula, as she was talking about, uh, her email, website, and so on, in the show notes for this uh, podcast interview. And you can access that by going to kennethacamp.com slash episode 52. Again, that's kennethacamp.com slash episode 52. And it'll take you, again, to the show notes. Uh, and a summary of this inter- podcast interview with Paula Freeman and also links to how you can get in contact with her, whether it's you just want to dialogue with Paula or you're interested in inviting her to come and speak at some kind of gathering that you are having soon or you want to get a copy of her book or whatever that might be. So I encourage you to do that. I really appreciate you joining me here at His Hands, His Feet podcast. No matter how you're accessing it, I appreciate it. And what would really show me your love is to go to iTunes and look up this podcast, His Hands, His Feet podcast. I also have a link to that in the show notes on um, my website. But either, however you get there, get to iTunes, to the page for this podcast, His Hands, His Feet. And please do a rate and review of the podcast, just an honest rate and review. I would really appreciate that. That, again, will show me some appreciation and love and help out this podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time.